Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Chief for Yourself. Now here's Geo. Hi, and welcome to Chief for Yourself. I'm glad you could be with us today, wherever you happen to be in the world at this moment. Our guest on this program has endured what is commonly called the worst nightmare a parent can experience. Matthew McKay's son Jordan was only 23 years old when he was shot and killed. After Jordan's murder, Matthew became determined to listen and look for his dead son in any way he could. He set out on a quest to discover the truth about why we're here and what happens when we die. Matthew McKay is a clinical psychologist, professor at the Wright Institute in Berkeley, and the author of Seeking Jordan, How I Learned the Truth About Death and the Invisible Universe. And beside examining life after death, the book explores the existence of God, notions of heaven and hell, and our purpose for being here. And Matthew, uh, I'll start with what is, I guess, the most painful uh, question, the very first one. If you would give us some background. I believe Jordan was on his way home from work when this happened. Yeah, Jordan uh, was um, a computer illustrator, uh, and um, uh, he was on his way home. Uh, it, was, it was at night. He, he lived with his girlfriend in San Francisco. He's on a bike. Uh, it looks like uh, four men attacked him, pulled him from his bike. There was quite a struggle, physical struggle, altercation. He broke away from them at one point, began running down the street, and he was shot in the back and died in a doorway uh, trying to uh, get some help. Hmm. What, what were some of the ways of contacting Jordan? Obviously, coming off of such a trauma is difficult. Uh, now you're looking into ways to contact him. What are the ways that you and your wife explored early on to uh, get the process going? Well, first we just discovered, really without even knowing what was going to happen, that Jordan was making contact with many people in our family, many friends. He was showing up in lots of different ways, in some cases vivid dreams in which he had very specific messages for people. In other cases, he would show up as literally as a vision, uh, and in one case was uh, he actually uh, physically somehow... Uh, knocked somebody off their bed and out of the middle of sleep and uh, was present to them. So, I mean, he was showing up in different ways. He had very uh, important messages for us. And we learned that uh, even though I think the channel was of communication was blocked for us because we were in such deep grief, other people were able to hear, and we took a lot of comfort from that. From there, uh, we, about about six months after Jordan died, decided to try some something to, to really make contact with him directly ourselves, and we went to see Alan Botkin, who is, um, uh, had, had discovered something called induced after-death communication, and uh, it uses a technique that's, well, it's very common in psychotherapy called EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. 
thing. I use it with my own patients. But he just he just he accidentally discovered a small variation on the technique, and what he found was that those who have trauma but also have traumatic losses that they had lost someone they loved dearly, when he made this small alteration in the protocol, they would actually hear from the dead. And he actually did a study where he found in eighty one out of eighty three cases naive subjects who had this process heard their loved ones speak to them. So mm-hmm. I was excited and hopeful that this might happen and we went to Chicago. I went through the procedure it involves moving your eyes back and forth while your your eyes are fixated on something and visualizing uh, the most extreme part of the trauma. And for me, uh, I had the experience uh, of hearing Jordan's voice. I heard it as clearly as I, if, as if he was in the room, the, the temper, the quality, the tone of his voice, and he had very specific messages for his mom and myself. So that was the first moment where I found out the two things I think anyone who has lost someone they love dearly wants to know, does that soul still exist? Are they okay? Are they happy? And Jordan clearly conveyed that on that occasion when we did the induced after-death communication. Mm. Now, of course, you're a man of science, and yet hearing about the death of your child can leave you asking God why, or feeling uh, that your children, as I heard when my only sibling uh, transitioned, that you're not supposed to die uh, before your parents do. Uh, Did you go through any of those feelings when this happened? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just uh, to not be able to watch him grow up, to not be able to hug him, to not be able to hold him, and the, and the violation of everything that we expect and assume when we have children that somehow they will live on after us and and we send them into a future where we will not be. Uh, it just, it was the, the worst kind of pain. And, and so discovering that Jordan wasn't gone, that he still looked over us, that he still loved us, that he still could could care about how we were and what was happening, and that he was okay. Those were huge changes that, that lightened me and made me feel like uh, he was not gone. Hmm. Yeah, the, the, the thing that surprised me about the book more than anything with such a seemingly heavy topic is that it's so encouraging. I mean, it's encouraging for you, of course, and, and what you're experiencing, but it, uh, it lets others know that uh, this whole process of passing over is not uh, not what we think it is. Now, you... Um, you use something called channeled writing or automatic writing to make contact with Jordan. Um, talk about a little bit about how that works. Yeah, ch- channeled writing has been around for thousands of years. It's actually referred to in ancient texts and has been used a lot. Uh, actually, William Butler Yeats uh, wrote one of his books via channeled writing. And I didn't know anything about it, but um, I consulted Ralph Metzner, who's also he's a psychologist, also a, a, an expert on uh, after-death communication. He taught me how to do it in probably five minutes, and I went home and and 
did the procedure as he described it, and immediately I actually had the experience of, of beginning to have a conversation with Jordan, not just where I was passive and I heard from him, or mm-hmm. as, a, as I had done a consultative medium who then told me what Jordan was saying, but I was actually experiencing a back-and-forth conversation where I could ask questions and hear from him. And, and do, you know, this uh, channel writing is really uh, amazingly simple, and... Um, it, all you need is kind of a, a, a place where you can consistently do it that give, makes you feel centered, makes you feel grounded. Um, I use a desk that my folks gave me when I was 11, and it's, you know, it connects me to my history and people I love. Then you need a, a, some way of uh, fixing your attention, and you know, candles work very well. I have a candle that's behind a blue glass mask that my daughter gave me, brought from Mexico, and I use that to, at, you know, just to fix my eyes on something. Then you need a uh, an physical object to connect you to the dead and uh, something that they had or something that they gave you. And in my case, I just use a little business card that Jordan had printed up in high school, and it says Jordan McKay, CEO, Omega Technologies. And there was no Omega Technologies, <laughs> but he had yeah. used it to get into all these tech shows. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it reminds me of his audacity and his humor. So I have that little card. That's my, my physical you need a process to get receptive and people use lots of things they some people use prayer some people use uh, a kind of auto hypnosis where you you know get yourself into a trance-like state other people use meditation i use a vipassana meditation just focusing on the breath tending to my breath and counting it um and and waiting till i feel that 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 kind of subjective sense of I'm receptive, I'm ready, I, I could hear from Jordan. And then I focus my attention on him, on sort of the essence. The, I, you could use just an image of the person, how they how they looked in your mind. And I try to focus on his essence, on on his soul essence, on just the, the core feeling of who Jordan is and, and the love I have for him. And then I just deliberately allow myself to experience that the channel can open now where I'm, I'm, I'm ready. And and the last thing you need to do is have something you, you write on, a, a notebook or paper, and physically write down the question that you have for that loved one. Um, and then and then just wait, receptively being aware of them, feeling your love for them, letting the channel open. And usually for me, uh, a word will show up, or, and then several words finishing a sentence, and then a whole string of sentences. And then it'll stop, and that's the, end of the, that's the answer to that question. I write down another question, and, and get the next answer. So it becomes a real dialogue. And it is rather easy to do. And I'm not clairaudient. I have no psychic abilities whatsoever. Right. And yet I have had the experience of having these very deep conversations, hundreds of them, and it, of course, became the subject of much of the book. Our guest on this Chief for Yourself is Matthew McKay, author of Seeking Jordan, How I Learned the Truth About Death and the Invisible Universe. Now, you've described yourself as a skeptic, and you were raised like I was with a very traditional uh, religious atmosphere. When you and your wife began this journey, did you feel conflicted uh, on that basis about what you were learning? No, because I I felt like I, I, I'd always, you know, as an adult, had an agnostic position. I, 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 I took the position that I did not know. Yes, I grew up, I went to Catholic grammar school, high school, and college. But I, as, a, as an adult, 
felt I really felt I did not know, and I just stayed in that position for years. I'm, I've been very interested in science. I do randomized controlled trials of, of new therapy techniques and, and methods, and I believe in science. But what I what I discovered when uh, Jordan started to talk to me and tell me about how why we're here, nature of the afterlife, reincarnation, and so forth is that it just made sense to me. It, it felt like there was some deep truth that I was, I was hearing. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was really interesting to me was that, you know, Jordan was very clear that there is no hell or heaven. I mean, there's, a, there's an afterlife, there's a spirit world. You can call that heaven if you want. But it's not where you have harps and angels and people on clouds. It's really a place where souls live and learn as they do here uh, here in this embodied state uh, souls come to this planet to learn and they Jordan said they don't come for kind of a pass fail test like to be saved and go to heaven or hell mm-hmm. but they come to learn and not just in one life but in many lives and so each life the purpose of the life is learning and the vehicle and this really was amazing to me, the vehicle through which we learn actually is pain. That we come to a physical universe because there is no pain in the afterlife, in the spirit world. And pain is a necessary part of how we learn. We learn by failing, by by making decisions and trying things and doing things and having them not work out and having emotional, physical, and, and uh, uh, relational pain as a result of the decisions we make. And the pain isn't bad. It's not wrong. It's not a sin. It's just how we learn. And we come here for the experience of learning, growing, developing. The book also brings clarity to the idea of karma. And I think people see karma as a sort of uh, cosmic payback system. But you're right that we choose life circumstances that will resolve karmic debts. Can you expand a little bit on that idea of karmic debt? Yeah, Jordan has been very clear with me that karma isn't about getting punished for b- bad things you did. That uh, karma is really something that is this, he says it's essentially the momentum of learning that um, that we that lessons present themselves. We're, we're, karma is sort of our lesson plan. It's it's what we came here to to learn, and that lesson plan can continue over a number of different lives. So if we don't learn the lesson in one life, the same lesson will show up in another life. Uh, and oftentimes in the same life, the lesson will show up numerous times. And that we keep facing that lesson. It's not failure. It's just that the lesson will continue. The momentum of learning continues until we finally um, discover a, a new response, uh, a wiser choice, uh, and, and a, a choice that, that's, that, that leads to love as opposed to disconnection and hurt and pain. So when we learn that, we actually then move on to the next karmic lesson and the the next thing we're working on. Uh, Which again, those lessons may continue across lifetimes and and the same lesson shows up uh, in a number of lives. The, The failure to learn the lesson initially is not a sin, it's not wrong, it's not bad, it's just what we have to do. We have to learn by sometimes having things not go very well. Yeah. Getting back to the word why, you've learned from Jordan that there are a number of reasons that souls leave our plane, 
at a young age. The book gives a list of those reasons. Can you mention some of those for us? Yes. And, well, first of all, I mean, I, the, the way how this came about was I I asked him, well, why did you leave early? Why, wh- how, mm-hmm. you know, 23, and, and you had this beautiful life and... And he was very clear that, um, for him in particular, that he, he, he had always known this was going to be a short life. We, we generally, when we choose our next life in the spirit world, have a sense of how long that life will be. And many lives are not long. In fact, when you think about it, before the 20th century, about half of all people, uh, human beings, died before they were five. So, in, you know, in the course of history, many of our lives have been short. Um, but what he said that for him this was a short life because one he was recovering from a very difficult previous life in which he'd been there had been a lot of violence and a lot of fear and that he he needed a life in which he could rebuild his sense of trust and um and 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 strength uh because he'd, he'd really gone through a very tough time he also um and he got that in this life. He also had certain lessons that he was learning very specifically that he could learn quickly. And he actually had, you know, his own lesson plan for this life that had to do with discipline and facing a fear. And uh, and those lessons he did learn. And had, having learned them, he didn't need to stay in this life. Also, he had a short life to teach others things. So his short life was going to impact others and, and be providing lessons for them. And finally, his next life is one in which he had a, he expects a much longer life and a life in which he's going to need some of these skills that he learned as Jordan. So anyway, there were many reasons, and there are, and there are a lot of reasons that uh, other people may have a short life. Uh, for example, just to teach a specific lesson to, to one or several souls uh, that they share that life with, uh, to complete some sort of karma from another life. Um, sometimes, for example, people who've struggled with a lot of, you know, they themselves have done hurtful things or cruel things to others, they they may choose a relatively short life in which they have some kind of disability uh, and, and, and rely on the con- kindness of other people and, and feel a certain sense of helplessness. And, and those lessons can be learned early, uh, and that life may be relatively short. Um, yeah, there are a lot of reasons. Sometimes souls who are getting tired of, of, of reincarnating and are reluctant will come for a short life just to sort of stick their toe in the water so to speak and uh, and other souls like these children who come into our lives and 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 leave early with uh, these terrible problems cancer and so forth sometimes they just show up to provide a, a moment of radiant love pure love for the people around them and it's just a great gift in that short life uh, they give so much to us so lots of reasons for short lives and have you been able to work any of this experience into your approach uh, with your work as a psychologist, your day-to-day uh, work? Yes, because the thing that Jordan has told me that's, that's the most important thing we can do is try to try to learn about our life purpose. Why did we come here? What were we learning? You know, writ large, life purpose is always the same thing. We are coming here to learn how to how to love in the face of pain, and and how and and you know that's. That's our, yeah, in a general way, uh, what we're what we're here and what we're doing. But each of us also comes with specific things that we are learning in our own lesson plan. 
and th- and and things that we may be planning to do actually uh, in in relation to others or in, in relation to the world. And so those are things that it's really important to try to figure out what your life purpose is. And as a therapist, that's really changed how I work with people because I'm really interested now in helping people figure out how to get back on the path of their life purpose, the reason they're here. And I think very often people get depressed uh, and anxious because they've gotten off that path and they've, they've lost contact with their life purpose. When they can get reconnected to it, it can make a huge difference in the set in, 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 in terms of deep levels of contentment. Even if there's pain, even if they're struggling, even if you know they've had losses that are that are, that are just extraordinarily hurtful. Nonetheless, they can reach that that level of contentment that comes from being in alignment with life purpose if they can see what it is and begin acting on it. Mm. One final question, and we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. If if you would leave us with a takeaway from the book, especially for someone who may be just beginning to deal with the loss of someone so close. Yeah, but what Jordan has taught me, and what the whole experience of, of of seeking him and connecting to him has taught me, is that the cycle of life is never broken. Death is is just a a, a transitional process to get us from the physical world to the spirit world. We don't lose anyone. They're all still with us. The ones we love are still with us. They still care for us. They are still watching over us. And they're just a thought away. We can open the channel of communication with the ones we love uh, really any time we think of them. And we can literally ask questions and can hear answers. And they are still with us. We are not alone. We have not been left here. We have not, in any real true sense, had a loss. We are all still together. Where would we find your website? The website is uh, seekingjordan.com. Seekingjordan.com. And and you and Jordan obviously keeping up the contact uh, plans for another book coming up? We're working on a a kind of, um, I, I can't call it a psychotherapy, it's a spiritual therapy group that um, will teach especially for people who have um, who are doing some post-traumatic learning who've had a lot of trauma in their lives are now trying to learn how to put their lives back together again um, and uh, we've, de- we've developed together uh, a lot of input from him uh, a, a little 10 week group to help people um, uh, grow spiritually and, and identify their life purpose and find ways to stay in alignment with that life purpose. All right. Well, this book is Seeking Jordan, How I Learned the Truth About Death and the Invisible Universe from our guest Matthew McKay. And uh, Matthew, thanks for being with us and also giving us uh, a touching and, as I said before, a very encouraging story. So much to think about and so much for all of us to experience. So I'll invite you to please come back and, and talk with us again. Thank you so much for having me, John. We will, of course, put the link to Matthew McKay's websites on the chiefforyourself.com start page. We're on a really great roll as far as guests are concerned today, certainly bearing that out. And if you have an interest in the Tao Te Ching, I want you to know that we'll be looking at the Tao in weeks to come. And plenty more, too. There's a great uh, list of guests coming up. I'll be telling you more by way of the blog post. So go to the chiefforyourself.com website and subscribe to our Genuine's blog post, and we'll let you know the who, what, and when. 
But we'll stop here for now. Thanks so much for being with us and for subscribing to those blog posts, too. Be well, and I'll talk to you soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.